A lot of people have been reaching out and asking me lately, what about my diet? What have I done to change my eating habits? And really, if you back up to when I first started the fasting protocol, and when I started that, it wasn't like all in because what I did, was I was a food addict, and that equated or came into the fasting where one of the most important components of fasting is the refeed. And if you mess up the refeed, that's that first meal after your fast. Whatever the, the, the length of the fast is really kind of makes that refeed work. And if you, if you overdo it on any level, then you've kind of given up the benefits of the fast in a way. It, it just depends on how long the fast is. But you can also do some real damage by really messing up that refeed. What had happened to me was once I got it dialed in and I figured out, okay, this is where I need to be with the fasting, then I needed to conquer the refeed. I needed to get good results with eating correctly after a fast, whether the fast was a day or even missing just one meal. Uh, Typically, I started with a day. What I did is I know my weak points in the afternoon, so I did my best to just avoid eating in the afternoon so I didn't eat all morning. So the night before I go to sleep, then I wouldn't eat till the following day. And usually that didn't come till the evening. So, you know, I was close to maybe a 48-hour fast, if you will, 36, 48, and that felt really good. My issue was the refeed. So when it came time for breakfast, or otherwise known as break fast, if you break down the word, that's the meal that breaks the fast. Typically, well, it is the first meal of the day, usually. So break fast. That first meal... I had been messing it up and it was the, my addictive nature. So what I did was I would go out and I would eat junk, whatever it would be, you know, ice cream, uh, Jack in the box tacos, hamburgers, cheeseburgers, shakes, uh, you know, whatever it would be, candy. And I would totally mess it up. What I noticed though, is there's not super big deal for me after a day, maybe two, but after three, or four or more, if you mess up that refeed, I had stuff coming out the other end horribly. I had horrible diarrhea. I know TMI, but I had some really, really bad diarrhea and it was really painful. It wasn't that easy passing liquid stuff. It was like cramping, horrible. And then I also felt my jaw would get super tight as well. So there were issues associated with messing up the refeed. So once I was able to get that dialed in and it happened over time, it was basically instead of going into this on autopilot, just stopping the fast, just eating whatever I wanted, I planned it out. So I told myself, okay, this is how it's gonna work. After I get done with a fast, a fast of any length of time, I'm going to do, uh, wait about 30 minutes. So once the fast ends, drink some water, which I've I've had water the whole time, but deliberately stop, so let's say 5 p.m., and I haven't eaten since the day before at 5 p.m. Let's say we're doing a single-day fast or 24-hour fast. Then what I would do is I would make sure that I started the clock at 5 p.m. I told myself, okay, at 5.30, I'm going to have one hard-boiled egg. I'm going to wait 30 more minutes, and then I'm going to have another hard-boiled egg, maybe some bone broth. After that, maybe, you know, some salad. And then not the big chef salad with eggs and bacon and all that stuff, but just, you know, some simple greens, uh, not a lot, just enough. And then after that, then I would eat, you know, what quote unquote normally. What I noticed is when I started doing that, the effects of the fast, the fat loss that I had encountered carried over and continued. 
Then I was able to increase the length of the fast. So then I went from 24 to 48 to 72. So my main, my mainstay, getting a majority of the weight off were 48 hour and 96 hour fasts. So anywhere between there. It was easy to go without a day, maybe a couple days. Usually if I was already ketogenic, which means my primary fuel source was fat, that's what my body burned primarily, uh, no carbs, no sugar so, sort of thing. Then I found that the fast was much more easier to implement and I didn't have a lot of that hunger that I experienced if I was in the sugar burning cycle or carbohydrate burning cycle. So just to back up a little bit, your body has two ways that it can feed. It can either feed with sugar and carbohydrates, all kind of the same. So that would be the primary fuel source. When you feed that way, it's very difficult for your body to to get into the stored body fat to get rid of that. And that's very typical. You can go into the caloric restriction diet model. When you do, you have to be careful because your metabolism doesn't take very long to adjust. Think of it this way. You go to some of these different diet programs, they're gonna stick you on 1,000, 1,200 calories a day. And that's great. What ends up happening, though, is within a very short amount of time, I've seen studies out there 48 hours, 24 hours, really, really quick, your body is going to readjust its metabolism to match the caloric intake. So it makes it very hard to continue that way when your metabolism reduces so quickly. Getting your metabolism back up to the 2,500 or 3,000 calories, whatever it may have been that you've been eating before, isn't easy. Fasting fixes that issue. So because you're not eating for an extended period of time. In fact, if you kind of look at everything here in this country, in America, we eat an awful lot. The studies come out, remember over the years, uh, you know, three meals a day, three squares with a couple snacks. Now it's six small meals a day or seven or eight small meals a day. We don't give the insulin any time, any, any break. It's constantly in our system because it's constantly dealing with the food that we are eating. One of the things I, I have found online doing the research I've done is the more you can keep the insulin at bay, the better you off are health-wise. Now, insulin is a very necessary hormone. It's the storage hormone. It's what's going to store that incoming food. Moving away from insulin and trying to keep that at a low level, it can be done via the ketogenic diet, which is basically no sugar, no carbs, or very, very low sugar, low carbohydrate content, higher fat and protein intake that your body's going to switch over after it burns through whatever stored sugar you have in your liver. And that's, I've read somewhere between 2,000 and 2,500 calories. That's what's stored in the liver. So once you burn through that, then things, a little bit of a game changer. Prior to that, what do they call that? Well, they call that the maybe the keto flu. Uh, you're going to not feel your best you're going to feel a little bit lethargic, a little bit tired, you're going to lose loss of energy and so on. Just to let you know, during my entire fast, even that 14-day fast, I was working out like a beast all the way through. I didn't stop. Um, there were times that I didn't have as much energy as other times. There were times that I didn't want to work out. I mean, let's face it, folks. I can say how much I love the gym as much as the next person. I can say how much I enjoy it, how it's my church, how it's my spiritual haven, how it's my, my getaway from the normal workings of life and it's my relaxation point. But <laughs> 
it takes work sometimes to get there. It takes a lot of dedication to get there. I just don't go happy all the time. There's been many times I've sat, many times I've sat in that parking lot in my car, contemplating to go in. And it's that ego that starts talking to me. Oh, you know, you've done this. You haven't had a day off in a week. Everybody says you need to have a day off. And I'm one of those guys that I don't want to take a day off. I mean, if I have to take a day off, I take one. But realistically, I can go seven days a week. Oh, don't you need to give time to your body to rest? You know what? I, I'm better without the rest. I, I'm actually working through the gym, and I'm better without the rest. Working into the, the dietary strategy, that ketogenic way, it's much easier to assume the fast. But once you get into it, then your hunger hormone grow, and that's what everybody panics about at the beginning of a fast. You've got these ups and down cycles. Ghrelin, which is the hunger hormone, that's your body's hormone that it sends out and says, hey, Jack, it's time for you to eat. If you keep that at bay long enough via fasting, usually it goes down. So it's not as prevalent. Usually, just for what you can you know, write down as expectations, you're probably going to get a large, the largest releases of ghrelin when you have your normal eating times. So if you're normally eating at 7 o'clock in the morning, then noon, then 6 in the p.m., then usually your ghrelin is going to be highest at those times during a fast. But ghrelin is a wave. So it comes, it's going to spike at some point, and then within an hour, hour and a half, it's going to go away. It's going to come back down to baseline, and you're not going to feel that hungry. You've probably experienced this in your life where you have been working all day, you've been very busy, and then all of a sudden you look at the clock and it's 5 o'clock and you've had nothing to eat all day long. You actually feel pretty good. But once you start thinking about it, of course, then ghrelin's going to pop and you're going to want to move through and get something to eat, which is fine. But if we're talking about fasting here, fasting for health, fasting for longevity, and of course, fasting so you can access that stored body fat, you're going to have to make a friend of ghrelin. And when it comes, you're going to have to do your best to just push through. Eh, there's, there's hacks, right? What, black coffee, uh, maybe tea, no sweetener. I would stay away from artificial sweeteners as well. A lot of people use those as a crutch, and that's fine, but there's been uh, studies that have shown some kind of a response via the insulin because if you think about it, in your mind, right, instead of black coffee, plain water, you're getting... Your tongue is getting notified. Uh-oh, here comes something sweet, and this cat hasn't eaten for two or three days, so let's get prepared. And potentially, as some of the studies I've read, it releases insulin. Other studies have shown if you have somebody that you're not feeding any food, but you're giving them insulin every day, they will put on weight. You see a lot of diabetics that are experiencing this. They're still eating, of course, but... Insulin is a very powerful hormone. In the absence of food, people gain weight. That's almost magical. But it also is scary. That's why we want to keep that hormone as low as possible through the entire process. And that's via the fasting method. One of the biggest wins for me was when I realized that it was time for me to embark on a much longer fast. And my best was 14 days. There wasn't really a spiritual component at that time. 
Now there's more of that. Now more, uh, there's a massive God play in when I'm fasting. It really, really does help me get through it. But that 14-day fast was really the game changer in my life because it showed me, number one, fasting is really what it purports, purports to be. And it's something that maintains muscle. Don't burn it. And it actually is the way that you access that stored body fat, which is why you have it in the first place for when you're starving. I use the word starving. If you're below a certain body fat percentage, I mean really lean, like skin lean, fasting isn't probably going to be your best resource for whatever reasons you might want to do it. You want to definitely, in any circumstance, always check with your medical doctor. Talk to them, see if they agree with it or don't agree with it. Understand that the medical system, in some cases, they might be not up to date on the literature. They might not be a big fan themselves. Uh, maybe they've heard, uh, had problems with patients fasting in the past. Maybe it's a medicine issue if you're taking all sorts of different medication for different things. Uh, insulin because you're type 2 diabetic, type 1 diabetic. Maybe you are taking statins and... Uh, and uh, high blood pressure pills, whatever it may be, you're definitely going to want to seek your medical professional's advice because some of the meds I was taking got me sick because I wasn't eating and caused some issues in that regard. But I kept it up. And then after, I didn't have to take the medicine anymore after that 14 days. And also, like I said, it taught me that fasting truly was the way that I'm going to keep it off. Now, so this this brings me forward to the question of people asking, okay, so tell me about your diet, Connor. Tell me how that's going. You know, people think, well, maybe he eats a certain way. Maybe realistically, I eat kind of what I want. I don't get crazy anymore. I don't have that addictive nature. I still am driven to donuts, which is hilarious. I was a cop for a long time, so maybe that answers that question. But, and I can say that because I was, right? Don't, don't say that if you're not one because it's offensive. But, you know, tongue-in-cheek. The donuts, though, that's, my, that's, that's kind of a thing. I really enjoy them. But they're not good for me, right? And I understand that. But, you know, there's something about that hot apple fritter that really just, something a little crunchy on the outside, and it just really makes me happy. However, before I go do that on autopilot like I used to, I used to just go out and do it. What I do now is I pull back and I don't start running and go out there and just hit the donut shop and eat everything I want. I'll actually plan it out. So if I have a temptation, if I'm tempted mentally by my ego, of course, oh, Connor, you deserve it, to go get some donuts, I'll pull back a little bit and I'll explore it. So I'll start thinking if, in fact, this is something that is going to help me or is it going to hurt me? And of course, donuts don't ever help. It's always going to be a hurt. Then the next thing I look at is, okay, if I do want to hurt myself, and I think donuts are the method I want to use, am I going to just go out and cheat on myself, or am I going to make it some kind of a presentation? What I mean by cheat on myself, I was an in the car, in the closet, nobody knows what I'm eating eater. And I was that because it was easy, and then I don't have to admit to anybody that I'm breaking, you know, the, the rules. And of course, you know, every time I wanted to embark on any kind of a, a change in eating, a diet, if you will, to try to get some of this fat off back in the day, 
I would tell everybody, kind of an accountability thing, but my God, when you do this hundreds of times, literally, what are they going to believe? Oh, really, Connor? Oh, my God, here we go again. Now we all have to pay while you embark on your dietary journey. And what I was doing while I was embarking on a dietary journey, I was out eating donuts or jack-in-the-box tacos or McDonald's. But the 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 in-the-closet thing is I was hiding it, and I would devour them in the car, which was almost like cheating in a way, right? I mean, I'm cheating on myself. I'm violating myself, sabotaging myself. So there's a psychological component there with the addiction. But it was also kind of dangerous in a way. You know, nobody knew. I didn't tell anybody at the house. I didn't let my kids know. Of course, my ex-wife, I didn't tell her. And here I am, you know, just, just, just powering these things down, kind of hiding, kind of out of shame, uh, a lot of guilt associated with it. So at the time I was eating, oh my God, everything was great. But it wasn't until I was done. And then when I was done, it just wasn't, it just didn't feel good. So now when I'm going to want to go out and have a donut, no, it's not one, I'm sorry, half a dozen or more. What I'll do is I plan it, okay, how's this going to work? So I'll go into the donut shop and I'll order the two apple fritters, three chocolate bars, and maybe an old-fashioned, maybe a buttermilk. There you go. There's, there's, my, there's my concoction. Now, because I've torched off 135 pounds and my stomach's smaller, it's difficult, more difficult for me to ingest that much. So usually, because uh, I've done this, I'm not, I'm not 100% clean. I'm just able to fight it a lot better. But my stomach shrunk, so I might be able to get through one apple fritter and the rest. Yeah, maybe not the buttermilk bar. So one apple fritter, three of the uh, chocolate donuts, the like chocolate bars, and maybe a little bit of the old-fashioned, a little bit of the buttermilk. And that's, that's pretty much tapped out. I'm completely full after that. It's not even fun. I don't even enjoy it. And then the burping starts. You know, that uh, I don't know what they're frying these things in, but I remembered my days in the valley. They don't replace that grease much depending on where you go. So watch out for that. So now I say, you know what? I'm not going to hide in the car. I'm not going to look like some buddy that's cheating on their spouse. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do this right. So if I am going to eat donuts, I'm going to bring them back and I'm going to make a public display of it. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm not going to go hide in my office. I'm not going to go hide in the closet. I'm not going to hide in the car. I'm going to actually eat it in public. And I'm going to put up a nice tablecloth, right? Maybe a flower, maybe a candle. Really enjoy put on some soft music. If you get my drift, you're making something of it other than what it is. You're elevating it to a higher level that it should be respected. And when I get to that mindset, it's a lot of work. I don't want to eat donuts anymore. And that's it. So I move on. So I'm almost clouding myself with a whole bunch of nonsense. But to elevate this event, this cheating event, up to a level of being able to not shame myself and not feel bad about doing it, once I get to that point, I don't even want them anymore. So that's where the donut thing in me is. And it used to be other things. Now those have kind of worn off over time. Now it's a lot easier. Now I, you know, I think about it, but I just know what's going to happen. I know how I'm going to feel. I'm going to feel great during, maybe right before I'll feel great too. Hell, I feel great even planning it. But when it comes to eating it and then finishing, ugh, I just like, am I going to put on a whole bunch of fat? by eating half a dozen donuts in my current regimen? No, no. 
Will I ruin everything? No, absolutely not. Can I get back on track immediately after? Of course. It's that feeling, though, that guilt, that, that, oh, my gosh, I just lied to myself again. I just sabotaged myself again. That's the problem. So that's where I don't want to go with that. I had the same issue with alcohol for a long time, uh, cigarettes for a long time until I quit those, chewing tobacco. I mean, I'm a very compulsive person. It's good for me when I'm selling houses for my sellers because I don't give up and I push as hard as I can to get that house sold. If I'm working for a real estate buyer, same thing. I mean, I'm out there pushing. I don't wait. I mean, I get this stuff done and I help them to the best of my ability around the clock. Don't drop the ball at all. Coming back to myself... I'm not about to sabotage it. I owe myself at least that. I owe myself that, that, that credit, that attention, and to be the best servant I can to my body, the one that's not even mine, really, kind of on loan, right? It's kind of a soul carrier, spiritual carrier, whatever, however you want to categorize it. At least that's my belief system. So I don't want to abuse this thing because I abused it for all of my life. Finally got it together at 53. Not about to make it go awry again. At the end of the day, you got to be true to you. Do some research on fasting. It's really the, the key. If I get out there, let's say on a weekend or go out with friends or, or whomever and, and eat a little bit too much and I come back and I, I'm a daily weigher. I understand that I'm going to have fluctuations in water weight, two to three pounds, five pounds, six pounds. It's not unusual for me. If I go from a ketogenic diet, go to a sugar burning or a carbohydrate diet, maybe out with friends or going to a restaurant, you know, I'll put on 10, 15 pounds. And it's not going to be fat because I would have had to ingest for, for 10 pounds of weight, 3,500, 10 times, eight, that's 30, what, 30,000 calories? Am I, am I right about that? 10, 3,500, 10 times 3. Yeah, that's a lot. That's impossible. I'm not going to be able to do that in a meal or even in a day. So I know that's water weight. It's my body retaining water because it went from a, uh, the ketogenic or fat burning system. It switched over to the other fuel source. So now I have more stored glucose in the liver, more sugar in there. And of course, it's going to pull that water retention. I'll notice that because I won't even use the restroom for quite a while, uh, depending on uh, when I break it. And then after I'm back on it, I'll fast for two or three days if I, if I put on a couple pounds here and there, and then I'll get back to where I was. So that's how I use fasting. It's kind of a feast and, and fasting sort of a thing. While I'm not out there feasting, tearing it up, eating everything I want, I still eat clean. I still ingest enough protein to carry on my muscle building uh, strategy and my muscle building efforts. So I'm doing 250 to 300 grams of protein a day. On top of that, then I'm eating. And I say I'm doing the protein. I do it in shakes and bars. A lot of people are going to squawk at that. They're not going to like it. It just works for me. It's very fast and very simple. I'll have three milk, three uh, protein shakes are mixed at all times, double servings each. That's 150 grams. I know somebody's going to say, well, your body can only ingest 25 grams of protein every couple hours. Well, I personally, it's working for me. I don't have the time to space out those protein drinks like that. I have to get them in. So usually I get most of the protein in by 10 a.m. And then after that, if I want to have a meal later in the afternoon or in the evening, something clean, you know, something without wrappers or ingredients, something I can see, a piece of chicken, a few eggs, uh, maybe some cheese, whatever it may be. And I try to stay away from nuts. They're awful dense in calories. But you can have those if you want. Just watch out. But that's how I'll finish out the day. If I get carried away, go out, and I want to go to a Mexican restaurant, I love Mexican food, I want to go there and... And maybe have a double tequila and uh, some chips and fish tacos or enchilada or whatever it is. Then I know to jump back on it that very next day. And 
purge off the alcohol is kind of a problem. It's toxic. It's going to take a couple of days for me to really get to back on track, back on track. But I want to eat for a couple of days and the weight gets back in check and then I proceed. I think it's a healthy way for me to eat. You'll have to talk to your doctor, yourself, see if this is something that could work for you. But in essence, that's kind of how the diet works. So this is a super long-winded podcast, Fat to Fit Realtor. I'm Connor with Honor, Connor McIver. Uh, let me know if I can help. And real estate, of course, that's primary. But if you need some coaching or help to keep yourself on target, I don't mind. Check out my YouTube channel, channel Fat to Fit Realtor. On YouTube, you'll see some of the videos I've done and see some of my before and after. It's... Uh, it has been fantastic. I do appreciate everybody listening. Please subscribe and all that other fancy stuff. Tell a friend, right? I will talk to you very soon. I am Connor with Honor, the Fat to Fit Realtor, and I'm over now.